Welcome to New Freedom Church. Over the next hour, we will worship together through song and hearing a message that is designed to help you grow in your faith. So please take a minute and fill out that Connect form online so that we will send you a free t-shirt just like this. It is the most comfortable t-shirt you will ever wear. We want to thank each of you who have shared our videos on Facebook, YouTube, and other social media forms because that really helps us to get more of the message out to many, many people that can benefit from the same content that you get today for absolutely free. Let's get started. My name is Joe. I serve as lead pastor here at New Freedom, and I'd like to welcome you to our December series our team decided we wanted to do something just a little bit different this year. We wanted to do something a little nostalgic maybe, kind of heartfelt, something that would uh, maybe just make us feel a little comfortable in this time of year that as we look back, it's always a time to kind of look back and uh, see what the, the previous year has brought. And in these uncertain times, unsettled times, Something I have noticed is that it appears that people have decided that, that they really would like to uh, get into the Christmas season a little bit sooner. And I don't know if that's just the, 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 uh, the feelings of it, the joy of it, but uh, I know that there have been a lot uh, earlier um, decorations coming out and, and people were, were decorating their houses and decorating their trees and, and doing all those kinds of things. And so what we wanted to do is we wanted to take some of the familiar melodies, some of the Christmas songs that maybe you just hear all through this season, you're on your radio and you're just kind of singing along to them, but don't even realize the depth of meaning that's behind them. And so we wanted to take uh, at least four of these songs and uh, just really look at the, the gospel-centric message that is on the inside of them. Just a, a little reminder here, we are going to be doing some special things here uh, for Christmas this year. We're going to have two Christmas Eve services, one on the 23rd, Christmas Eve Eve, and then one on the 24th, Christmas Eve. They're identical services, just gives you an opportunity to choose which one fits best for you and your family. There will also be a candlelight at the end of those services. And then on the 27th, that is the last Sunday of this month, we are going to do something we've never done before, and that is we're going to have Christmas at home home for the holidays, where we are going to bring uh, our Christmas to you from our living rooms, all of our team, and it will be an online-only service. There will be no in-person meetings here on that Sunday. It is a uh, a holiday weekend, uh, lots of traveling and and things happening there, so uh, we want to give you the opportunity that you can uh, have Christmas with us together. Uh, The thing about Christmas to me is that it is an awesome opportunity. Uh, obviously, uh, Christmas has been commercialized. It has been like anything that, that, that gets into secular society. It's been um, mixed with so many other um, non-Christ-centric messages. But uh, when we look at, at truly Christmas in December, we know that historians tell us that Jesus likely wasn't born in December. Sorry if that messes up your theology, but, but he was likely born in the summer. It's just the time of the year that, that we commemorate. This word we use is called Advent, and Advent means arrival. Now, this is a powerful word because truly at Christmas, what happened was God arrived on the scene of humanity. He arrived and he tabernacled with us as had been promised for many years before. And he was announcing to the world, not only joy to the world, but also that God, the true king, has come to make things right once again. And the promise continues because we know that he did end up going uh, back to the Father. And his next promise was that I will come again. How many are longing for his coming? I am longing for his return. So Advent gives us an expectation of his fulfilled promise. It gives us a sense that what God has begun, he will continue and God will fulfill it. 
The carol that I want to share with you today is uh, God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. Uh, This is one of the oldest known Christmas carols dating back to the 1500s AD. And it outlines a very thorough and accurate telling of the gospel story. Here, Here I think is the opportunity for Christmas is that this one time a year, even if it's for um, secular purposes, we have captured the attention of the entire world. They are focusing on Jesus. They are focusing on what what may be shopping and Christmas for them, uh, whatever ways. We can focus it on the light of the world. We can take this opportunity and we can shine the gospel. Let's look at this song because if you look at this and all the, the stanzas as it, as it reads, you'll see that the s- central message is that the king has arrived and Jesus is our Lord. Stanza one says this, God rest you, merry gentlemen. Let nothing you dismay. There are gonna be some words in this song that you're gonna really need to ponder for a minute and think about, dismay. Has there been some dismay in your life? Has there been some dismay in our world this year? Certainly. Why? For Jesus Christ, our Savior, was born upon this day to save us all. How many are, are going to be saved from this? How many, how many have the offer of the salvation? To save us all. The offer is there for everyone. Whosoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. To save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. For Jesus Christ, our Savior, was born on Christmas Day. I love the, the stanza one here tells us that this is a God who delivers, a God who delivers, to deliver us all from Satan's power when we have gone astray. We serve a God who is a God of deliverance. He wants to break us through to salvation, to freedom. This is the actual name of Jesus, Yeshua, our Joshua. He is the great deliverer. Jesus delivers us from all of Satan's power. And I like this part. It says, as we have gone astray. Because we know that there are times where we get things really good in this area of our life, but we're a little bit stray on that side. We want to really be praised for the accolades over here, but there's some wandering over there. And so when we wander, when we go astray, and all we like sheep have gone astray, amen, every one of us to our each and individual way. But the Lord chose to come at Advent and to arrive on the scene to be that great arrival for us to be delivered from all of Satan's power. I like what it says in in 1 John, it says this, that for this purpose, this is the express reason, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. What's that mean? He arrived on the scene at Christmas. For this purpose, he was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Not just set them aside, not just bring a temporary cease to them, not just cause them to to be tempered a little bit, but for this express purpose, Jesus came that he would destroy the works of the devil. And as agents of God, as heirs and co-heirs with Jesus, you and I have been given this great high calling that we are to be the ambassadors for Christ. In all of our world, as we go, we too have the opportunity in his name, in his nature, and by his character to destroy the works of the devil that are being set up all around our world. We are the light bearers, the image bearers of his truth. And so this is Jesus Christ born on this day. Stanza two says, in Bethlehem in Jewry, this blessed babe was born and laid within a manger upon this blessed morn. The which his mother Mary, nothing did take in scorn. So this stanza here brings to us this 
city named Bethlehem. We're going to see that here in just a minute. This blessing of a baby laid in a manger. We'll talk about that a little bit later. And it says upon this blessed morn to which his mother Mary. Now, this is interesting to me because I think that Protestants, we, we perhaps, uh, we don't give enough credit to just how viable and valuable what Mary said yes to was. Mary, at 14 years old, said yes to a call and to a, a, uh, a purpose that would have been beyond our thinking. Mary is, is not to be prayed to or to be worshipped, but I think that she should be respected for the fact that she said yes at a very young age. Now, we Protestants maybe don't give Mary as much credence, and I think the Catholics give her too much by, by praying to her and that kind of thing, but I think there is a balance that we look at in this stanza that there is this announcement that came to Mary, and she said this, be it unto me according to your word. You remember the, the story where, where Mary was visited by the angel and said that she is going to uh, be pregnant with child and she pondered these things in her heart. And she said the response, yes, I will take on this call. I will take on this commission. How many times can you look back into your life and think about it, uh, an encounter that you've had with God where it may have terrified you that God would call you to do something? And many of us, we have run from that call. Many of us, we have laid down and said, I'm not going to do that. I, God, that's too much. I don't have the, the energy to do that. I don't have the education to do that. I don't have the background to do that. But I think that we can take some solace from Mary and we can say, be it unto me, Lord, according to your word. And when we look at Mary's life, here's what we have to know, that we serve a God of miracles. He is the God of the miraculous. Because what happened in the Christmas story, as we see this in, in Luke and Matthew's gospel, is that it was nothing short of a miracle. The modern theologians will tell you that there has to be more to this thing than a virgin birth, because biologically a virgin cannot give birth to a child. The, 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 uh, the high-minded and heady theologians will try to tell you that that, that is probably a, a misrendering of the gospel. But I want to tell you today that I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in a God of miracles. I believe in a God who can do exceeding abundantly above more than we can ask or think. And so when we see Mary's name here, it's not just some little Jewish 14-year-old girl, but this is a miraculous event of God coming through in a time in which we can say, you know, the Christmas story is filled with miracles. God is a God of miracles. Maybe you are in need of a miracle today. Maybe there is a touch of God, a touch of heaven that you have been praying for and you have been longing for in your day. And it says this, that Mary did not scorn the word that God gave her. People want to scoff and people want to laugh at the things of God. People want to scorn and they want to laugh at miracles even until they become one. And I want to tell you that the greatest miracle is not healing when you've asked for healing of your body. And I believe in physical healing for your body. I believe you can pray and, and God uh, manifests that. Not, not every single time have I prayed for healing has it, has it happened, but I believe that it does happen. And I believe that God wants to show up in the midst of our suffering and show up in the midst of our pain. But the greatest miracle is not healing. The greatest miracle is not you getting enough money on Friday to be able to pay your bills. The greatest miracle is not that you had enough to eat for tomorrow. The greatest miracle is the joy of a changed life. The greatest miracle is that whether God does anything else for me in my life from this day on, I am a miracle because I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old things are passed away and all things have become new in him. That's the greatest miracle. 
This is the promise that we have. And, and look at Isaiah 7, 14. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign, a sign, wonder, and a miracle. This virgin birth was a sign. It says, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel, which means God with us. Not to scorn. This is something to ponder in our hearts. It's something to say, be it unto me, Lord, according to your word. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone was in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Are you looking for some new things in your life? I hope that you're looking right now, even this December 2020, I hope that you're looking forward to some new things that God is launching in and through you. I hope that you have an anticipation of something new, something fresh, a new creation from God. It's not good enough that he gave us new things yesterday. God wants to make his mercies new, how often? Every single morning, his mercies are new. Go to stanza three, it says, From God, our heavenly Father, a blessed angel came, and unto certain shepherds brought tidings of the same, how that in Bethlehem was born the Son of God by name. Now let's look at this, because I think there's so much packed into this stanza. Not only was the announcement given to angels, not only uh, from from the angels to the shepherds, but there was great tidings that was brought, and there was the name of a city, Bethlehem and the name of this individual, which we just saw, his name shall be called Emmanuel, which was one of many titles that Jesus had. Um, Christ, Jesus Christ, Christ is not his last name, it's actually a title, it means the anointed one and his burden removing, yoke destroying anointing that he comes with. But this name was already given, this deliverer that he was to be. So stanza number three speaks to me this, we serve a God of fulfilled promises. Somebody say that with me, fulfilled promises. Not just a God of promises, but we serve a God of fulfilled promises. And here's how I know. Because in Micah, the Old Testament prophet, chapter five, verse two, it says this. But you, Bethlehem, though you are little among the households of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old from everlasting. See, Jesus didn't begin his uh, uh, experience or he didn't begin his life at birth. He is the son of the living God. He is the uh, second person of the Godhead. He was from everlasting and from beginning. He was manifest for us to destroy the works of the devil. But the God of fulfilled promises was this promise that was given of not only his name, but also his birthplace, which was foretold 700 years before the actual event. It was foretold to Micah, 700 years. I don't know about you, but for me, 700 years would be a long time to wait. I mean, I get a little bit anxious waiting for three weeks if my prayers aren't answered. (laughs) But for 700 years, this promise had been given had been rehearsed, had been told from generation to generation that there is coming a deliverer, there is coming a Messiah, there is coming a king, there is coming a day when God will set all things to right again. There is coming this one that will be the fulfillment of everything you have ever desired. And then they give his city, Bethlehem, promised, and it was fulfilled, and they give his name, multiple variations of this name. And 
Then it talks about his title and, and what he's supposed to do and, and his, uh, his purpose. Has God given you a promise? Has God promised something to you that you've been waiting for? Maybe you didn't initially receive it as a promise at first, but it's something you think about often. It's a desire in your heart that if perhaps it could happen, you would love for it to happen. And just because you can go to God's word and find promises given to other people doesn't mean God's not still speaking to you in the here and the now, giving you promises and giving you purpose. Because like I've said before, you cannot find in this Bible where you're supposed to work, who you're supposed to marry, where you're supposed to live. It's not gonna have a specific instruction like that. But by his spirit who lives on the inside of us, God will instruct us. God will speak to us. He will whisper little things in our ear. God will talk to us. And sometimes in the conversation, the dialogue that we have with God, There is a desire that wells up on the inside of us, so much so that we treasure it like Mary did in our heart, and we get to the place where we have the boldness to say, be it unto me according to your word, and that becomes a promise to us from God. Now, maybe you've received a promise from God, but you've been waiting a while. Maybe it's been a couple weeks. Maybe it's a couple months. For some, the promise may have been tarrying for years. You may not even feel like you're ever going to see the fulfillment of that promise. But this stanza right here gives us hope that we will see the fulfillment of our promises. Look at uh, 2 Peter 3 and 9. It says this, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness. See, I I have a, a timetable that I want things to be done on. And if it doesn't happen, then I think that something has delayed what my desire is. And the Bible tells us that hope deferred makes the heart sick. Sometimes we can get sick on the inside just because the things we wished for, the things we hoped for are not happening in our timetable. But let me share with you this. God has a different timetable than your timetable. God has a different time clock than your time clock. And so God is not slack concerning his promise as some people would count or think of slackness. We have to wait. We have to hold on because we serve a God of fulfilled promises. If he promised it, he will do it. Amen? Stanza four says this, fear not. Fear not. Somebody needs to hear this today. Fear not. Do not fear, then said the angel. Let nothing you affright. This day is born a savior, O virtue, power, and might. So frequently to vanquish all the friends of Satan Quite. Now, you got to love the old English. You just have to love, love you got to really read this. The friends of Satan, oh yes, they're going down is what he's saying. This, to me, speaks of a God over all fear. Can we just take heart today that we serve a God who is over all fear? Now, it doesn't mean that we should be unwise about our comings and goings. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't take a little bit of precaution maybe in, in a time where there's an invisible uh, enemy that is lurking around our land and around our world. It means that, yeah, we should still wash our hands and we should protect ourselves with maybe some distance and we should do the right things, but we cannot allow ourselves to be paralyzed by a spirit of fear. And let me tell you, fear is a spirit. 2 Timothy tells us that God has not given us the spirit of fear. They they have it. They can put it up there for you. Look at this. 2 Timothy. God has not given us, the next one, the spirit of fear, but what? But power and love and a sound mind. There's a whole lot of things that are happening right now in our world that would cause you to lose your mind. And they want you to so be 
focused and distracted on the fears of what if, on the fear of it could be, on the fear of I don't know what's going to happen. Well, we don't have to know what's going to happen tomorrow because we all already know what's going to happen in the end. And the end says, we win. We win. Come what may, we win. And so we serve a God over all fear. Don't allow fear to paralyze you. It's interesting, every time that we see a, a visitation of angels in the Bible, it's always accompanied with these words, fear not. Fear not. Now, I have never been visited by an angel. Maybe you have, and you can share with me the experience. But from what I read in God's word, every time that there was a visitation of an angelic being, there was always this announcement of do not fear. And that's probably because if you or I came in contact with an angel, we would probably also be shaking in our boots. And there is this announcement, do not fear. And this is, I think, the crux of Christmas, is that it's not a time for fear. It is a time of joy. It is a time to give God our all. It says in, in 1 John 4, 18, that there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. God is love. And so he wants us to walk in this joy, unspeakable and full of glory. We don't have to be captive to fear. We serve a God over fear. Stanza five. The shepherds at those tidings rejoiced much in mind. Somebody say rejoiced. Rejoiced much in mind. Where, where did they rejoice at? In their mind, okay. And left their flocks of feeding in tempest, storm, and wind, and went to Bethlehem straightway, this blessed babe to find. You know, we serve a God of rejoicing. I need you to hear this today. We serve a God of rejoicing. We serve a God of joy. Nehemiah 8 and 10 says it like this, do not uh, sorrow for the joy of the Lord is your strength. If you don't feel like you have much strength today, then I would probably take a a little introspective look. If I were you, I would get into the place of, of my heart and I would look and say, do I have any joy? Because if you have joy, now joy is not manifest all the time on outward of, of, of rejoicing and being happy on the outside, but the joy is something on the inside. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Do not sorrow because God wants to instill in us this joy. We serve a God of rejoicing. Now, this is a time of year when it appears that everyone around us is happy. Everyone, you know, are are giving gifts and receiving pleasantries and singing songs. And it is kind of a lighter time. I think that's why people decorated it much earlier this year. I know that that's one of the reasons we did. We wanted to get into the Christmas spirit. This is a joyful time of year for us. But I have to be honest and tell you that Christmas is not joyful for everyone. Some people look at this time of year and they just can't wait until it gets over with. Because there's one less person sitting at the kitchen table this year. There's one less person at dinner. There's one less gift to buy. There's, there's a, a dream that hasn't been fulfilled. There's some reason why that my rejoicing has, rejoicing has turned into sorrow. And therefore, Christmas is not always an easy time of year. That's why for the last several years, and we're going to do it again this year, is we have a blue Christmas service. This year, it'll be a streamed only um, uh, live stream service that uh, will happen on December the 20th at 7 p.m., You can tune in and you can watch. And it's a time when we take those things which are heavy on our heart. It's a time where we look back at the year and and maybe years past and Christmas has passed and and we, we take anything that might hurt and we give it to the Lord. 
And we emerge out of this blue Christmas service with a hope eternal, with a joy of the Lord that even though we may not be smiling on the outside, there is something on the inside that we can say, yes, Lord, I receive your joy. Even if your joy is not manifest on the outside in spinning and dancing and pleasantries, I receive your joy because we serve a God of rejoicing. And that's what he wants for us is that we would walk in this joy all the time, not just at a time like Christmas. Advent or the arrival of the Messiah was the announcement of great joy to the world. And it's interesting to me here that this was given as a message to shepherds And they had a response to the message that they received. You know that you will always have some kind of corresponding response to the message that God gives you. That corresponding response may be to sit down and not do anything with it. That corresponding response might be, well, maybe I'll just wait it out and see if the next thing falls into line. That that corresponding response may be like Mary, where you say, be it unto me according to your word, I'll do what you said to do, God. That corresponding response may be that you go and you sign up to, to do something or you enroll in a class. Whatever it is, there is always a corresponding response to the message that God gives you. For these shepherds, look what they did. Everything that they had invested their life in, everything that they had put their time in, here, here, here's, what, uh, here's what this stanza says. It says that they had left their flocks of feeding in tempest, storm, and wind. Everything that they had worked so hard for to tend their flock, at the news of the arrival, at the news of this announcement from these angels, these shepherds left everything there and went to find that thing of joy. You and I are going to be challenged with the, the, the call of God by a response in our life. And we, and only we, can make that choice and make that decision. What are we gonna do with God's word when it comes to us? There may come a time where you have to leave some things that you have invested in in order to pursue the rejoicing of the Lord in your life. You may have to be like these shepherds and take an inventory and count the cost and say, I could stay here with these sheep of feeding or I can leave them right there where they're at and I can go and follow the Lord. And for those of you who have said yes to Christ, you know that there have been some sacrifices along the way. You know that there have been some tough decisions. You know that there have been some misunderstandings that some people didn't know why that you were doing what you're doing. But you knew because in your heart, there was this drawing, there was this calling, there was this sense that there is more to life than what I'm living. There is more to what God wants me to do than what I am doing. And so, at Christmas is a time of inventory. Are we willing to leave the things behind that we have so invested in to sacrifice it for the Lord? That's our question. And it's time to move forward in rejoicing. Stanza six. But when to Bethlehem they came, whereas this infant lay, they found him in a manger. They found him in a manger where oxen feed on hay. His mother Mary, kneeling unto the Lord, did pray. They found him in a manger. But I thought a king was meant for a palace. But they found him in a manger where oxen, where cattle sleep and eat. Oxen feed on hay. I love this part of the song because it speaks to me the God of the ordinary. You know, we serve a God of the ordinary. I would say that most of us 
have admired people that have achieved great feats in life, that have notoriety and fame and wealth beyond imagination. And you would think that if the God of heaven were to come down and tabernacle with human beings, that he would do it in such a manner that it would have a big splash on the headlines, that everyone would see far and away that this was the greatest event of the year. And yet here on the Christmas day, here on the Advent morning, the arrival of the king without pomp and circumstance, in the ordinary expression of a stable, our God came and tabernacled with us. Maybe you don't feel real special. Maybe you're not feeling that you're very important. Perhaps you're just ordinary. But we serve a God who takes the ordinary and makes something extraordinary. You see, Joseph, he was just an ordinary carpenter. He was a tradesman. He worked with his hands. He offered what he could, and he did the best he could, and he provided well for his family, just an ordinary man. Mary, just a 14-year-old ordinary Jewish girl, but she said yes to the call of God on her life. Stable, pretty ordinary, but God uses ordinary things to do the extraordinary work. Two fish, five loaves, just an ordinary lunch, but God takes what is little and he makes much of it. And Christmas is the time of year when we can look and we can be grateful and we can be thankful that even though things might look like they're humdrum, even though things might look like they're just clicking along as usual, as normal, don't be deceived. We serve a God who takes the normal, who takes the ordinary and does something great from it. Just because you may not be having your name in lights and have notoriety doesn't mean that God is not at work in your life to do something great and something extraordinary. Let's look at this last one. It says, now to the Lord sing praises, all you within this place, and with true love and brotherhood each other now embrace this holy tide of Christmas and other doth deface. Truly embrace the love of Christmas. You see, this would be a wonderful thing would happen in our world, wouldn't it? If there was truly unity, if there was truly love. But we feel like we live in such a time of division, such a time of opposites, of polar opposites of people on one end and on the other. But this speaks to me that we serve a God of love and unity. And it can be summed up in no better way than this. For God so loved the world that he gave. What do we do at Christmas? We give. It's us being like our heavenly father. There's no time in your life that you are more demonstrating the character and nature of God is when you give. When you graciously and bountifully give and give and give. When you open up the storehouse of your life to give something to another. Maybe they're in need, maybe they're not. Maybe it's just that you are in that giving way. God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. This is the gospel message, and this is found all throughout this song. We, ch we chose three other songs. You're gonna find the gospel in every single one of them as you go throughout this series with us. So hopefully, you won't just sing these songs again by rote or routine, but you will sing them now, or you'll hum them, and you'll think of them with the deep, symbolic meaning of the gospel message as they're applied. I love one more verse here. It's found in Ephesians 2.14. It says this, For Christ himself 
has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. See, here's what I want to tell you is that yes, Christmas is all about giving, but you can never separate the Christmas message from the Easter story because at Christmas, the king arrived and at Easter, he was crucified. That was devastating to the world mindset at the time, thinking that this king would come and set up his earthly kingdom, but that's not why he came. He came to set up a kingdom indeed, and he came to inaugurate and initiate this wonderful kingdom of which we are part of, but he is yet to consummate. He is yet to fulfill it, and the promise is that he will come again, and he will return, that where he is, we may be also. This is the promise of Christmas. So let me recap. What does this song tell us? What does this carol, this hymn, say? Well, first of all, it talks about a God who delivers, that our God is a God who wants to break us free from every defeat, from every defect, from everything that binds us, and he does it miraculously because we serve a God of miracles. And in those miracles, we find that he fulfills his promise to us every single day. Even though there may look like delay, even though it may be a time of waiting, we know that we serve a God of fulfilled promises. And we don't have to fear because we serve a God over all fear. We put our trust and our our hope in him. And he becomes our rejoicing. We have a God that wants us to rejoice. Not only on the inside, though it starts there, he wants it to manifest eventually on the outside. And sometimes that is in a very ordinary way. It may be just on your job, at your home, in your car, in a time of recreation, in an ordinary moment where God will break in and do something special. And when that happens, our great God of love unifies our hearts to him. And Christmas is a time of love when we turn our adoration to God and we have the love and the unity for man. When we look at others the way that God sees them and realize that Jesus died for them too, Maybe they haven't heard yet. Maybe they don't know. Maybe they're still in fear because they haven't received the good news that fear not. For born to you this day in the city of David is a Savior, a Savior, Christ the Lord. With heads bowed and eyes closed, just between you and God this morning, I just, I just want to ask this question. Do you know this God? Do you have this joy? Are you at rest as a married gentleman What he was saying there in that first line of the song is, you can be assured that you have nothing to worry about in God. And if you would like to make that step of faith today, we're not going to ask you to come forward, but right there where you are, whether you're watching us online or you're here in person, it's very simple. You do three things. First of all, you have to admit that you can't fix your problem on your own. You've tried and failed. You can't fix it. And then you have to become like a child in faith childlike faith, humble yourself, not having to figure it out or have all the answers, but simply accept by faith and believe in what Jesus said. And then you just come. You come just as you are. All of the disciples that Jesus called, he said, come, follow me. I'll make of you something different. If you'd like to pray that, we can do that right now today. Right before we close, let's just pray. God, today I thank you for everyone under the sound of my voice that is receiving the words of this message is receiving the words of life. We pray today that we would have this love relationship with you, that we would enter into unity, 
We repent of the things that we know we have failed for and we accept the free gift of Jesus and his sacrifice. It's in his name we pray. Hey, let's all stand together and let's sing this song. God rest you, Mary, gentlemen. God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day. To save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Thanks for joining us this week. I am so excited about what we have planned for next week. But before then, would you take a minute and go to the video description and either leave us a review or click on one of those links for all the information available. And one last thing, your generosity really does make a difference. Would you prayerfully consider partnering with us financially, which enables us to reach even more people with the gospel. God bless.